The state of higher education is tumultuous. Not a single week goes by without some story of political activism, unjust cancellation, campus protest, etc. hitting the news. Our universities really don't have to be like this. Rolston College aims to reshape this landscape. Alongside its MA in the humanities, Rolston is launching a summer school teaching Latin in Sicily, Rome and other sites. The program, running from July to September, offers immersive language learning with experts, literary reading, seminars and even archaeological visits. Most importantly, this course is designed for people who have never studied Latin. Anyone in the world can apply, and the strongest applicants will be awarded full scholarships that cover the cost of the entire program. Apply by the 31st of May at rolston.ac forward slash Latin dash program. Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantin Kitten. And this is the show for you if you're bored of people arguing on the internet over subjects they know nothing about. At Trigonometry, we don't pretend to be the experts, we ask the experts. Our fantastic expert guest this week is Tony Soule, who's the founder of Generating Genius, which is a charity that helps inner city kids get to top universities here in the UK. Tony, welcome to Trigonometry. Oh, thanks for having me. It's, yeah. it's so good to have you here. Yeah. The question we always like to ask at the beginning is, how are you where you are? What's been your journey through life? Well, I suppose, I mean, my journey is an interesting one because it's, um, I, I, I think it, it sort of defines really for me um, what, what's happening now. And, and I look back at that past and see a kind of a line going in. And I think the line was always, how do I kind of... Uh, disrupt what is given for me. So for example, I was given a crap school, yeah, crap secondary school, where all of us were expected. Well, what, what happened was quite interesting. The, 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 the white kids in the school went and got jobs, usually uh, uh, with their uncles or whatever, or friends, and they had, they had those connections. And it seemed to me that's quite interesting how they got work. Uh, the black boys in the school, well, we, we had a hard, harder time. I mean, a lot of us were unemployed, but um, and, and, and really the way out for us, um, this is a boys' school, was, was harder. I would admit that. This was back in, in the 70s. Yeah? Mm. And I think that um, I think for um, me, uh, the route then became almost how do I, how do I now kind of redefine myself in this, in this interesting situation where nothing was really happening. I remember I used to bunk off school basically to go to the library. <laughs> because that was really because I took a, to, to try and educate myself. You're such you know? a rebel yeah, type. Yeah, that, was, that was my re rebellious thing, going down into the library and trying to get some things. But my mother was quite um, smart on this one. So what she did was she, uh, and there was three of us, my brother uh, and my sister, and she packed us off quite early to um, a, an, Anglican, an Anglican church, you know. I mean, it wasn't a high Anglican, it was a normal one. And it was, I mean, an Anglican Church of England. And, and, and in that very middle class setting, all white setting. And so we just went in there and we were, we were the token black kids in that, in, in, in that church. Um, but they were really nice people and, they, you know, they, we, we did nice things. But what was interesting was that it changed our perception because suddenly we had a, I think for, for I, I always look at this for anybody as a sort of adolescent growing up, your peer group is going to define a lot of who you are and how you work, you know. And, that, and, that, and so, in a sense, we were suddenly given this new peer group of middle-class kids, and they went off to university, and they came back in the, in the summer. And so, okay, they were, our, they were our new friends. And so that's what you do now, because 
in our schools, nobody went to university, but for us, that, that was a change. Was, all right, I want to be like my friends, so I better go off to university. So we all, we all, we all said, well, how are we going to do this? Because we're going to go to these crap schools. How are we going to get there? Uh, and, and so we just, I, I suppose, but it, 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 it's quite interesting that that didn't seem to be that difficult. And I, I, I say that because if you're, it's all a, so some of this stuff is about motivation, is about that drive in, to do something is there. Obviously, you do need to have um, some of the stuff in place. But to, to be socially mobile, a lot of it, and that, that's why I, I began to think about social mobility, that a lot of it was quite intrinsic. Yeah? And so, therefore, that set us off on that journey, or me on that journey, to, to sort of go off to university. And, and, and um, I think ever since then, I've always had the tension between... Um, almost like middle-class people trying to sort of work out what I am and who I am and, 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 and that kind of desire to do something different. So, for example, if you... Uh, I remember going to... Um, I mean, I, I, I mean I, I, I'm also defined by my Jamaican background as well. My parents were from Jamaica and, I, and, and, and all of that was very important in the 70s for us. And, uh, and, um, but it wasn't the sole sole thing that defined me you know I, I had another part of me which was I don't know just another part of me I like I love classical music for example I love Bach and things like that and I remember going to the South Bank um, and um, the uh, I don't know I don't know if you remember this band called OC Visa I don't remember it was a, there was a, that's an African band and they were they were playing on one corner and then they were they were in, in the Purcell rooms Bach was playing in the other I got my ticket to go to the Purcell room and I remember the guy, the guard the guy at the door actually blocking me from the Bart concert, saying that you've got to go over to the office because that's where the black people are. Yeah. He didn't actually say that, but he just said, wouldn't be in there, you know, because it might have been something was going to harm me if I was going to, because I was going to be the, I was about, well, uh, 17 then. And it, something was going to, something was going to harm me if I was going to go in there and listen to Bart music, yeah. being the only black <laughs> <laughs> But I've got to go and jump up with all the other black people yeah. in Ursula That's where you, you had to, and, and, and if you like, that kind of thing was con continually kind of, um, you go in, you go in as, um, as, I, <laughs> and uh, this just, I mean, one of the reasons why I'm, I'm adamant about this is that I had a recent interview with the Sunday Times, yeah, which I, I don't want to slam the journalist, but I mean, it was a good interview. He's about to slam the journalist. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the, we, now we, we have some offices in central London. It just happened that my PA, she booked a, an office, which was, I mean, the, the three of us are quite comfortable here. I mean, it was a very small room, yeah? And, there was, and she brought her intern in there. So there was three of us in the room, and we were talking, and I was relaxed. As you can see, I've got a South London accent. I, I'm, 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 hopefully, I'm fairly articulate with it. I'm comfortable with my accent. I love my South London background. Yeah, I've got a South uh, London accent, and I'm far less <laughs> articulate than you, mate. So you crack on, you're fine. Anyway, um, when I read the piece after we had done this, um, her thing was, I'm six foot two. I mean, I'm assuming, I don't think I'm. I don't know if I'm that kind of um, intimidating. Anyway, her first comment was. Um, uh, we're in this cramped room with um, Tony, who um, has a massive frame and a, a raspberry um, Croydon accent, you know. <laughs> and that was the first definition of... So I, I was kind of wondering, 
And it reminds me of the scene. Did you ever see uh, Mel Brooks's Blazing Saddles? Do you, do you know that film? Yeah, Blazing Saddles? yeah, do you yeah. Know? yeah. I know. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it in a while, but but it's, it's in the scene. There's a sheriff who comes, there's a black sheriff who comes into town. You know, he, 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 Mel Brooks is very good at sort of usurping things, and the sheriff comes into. They have a, they've killed the, the the existing sheriff, so a new one comes in, but. Uh, this is sort of like in the backwoods of 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 of, uh, uh, of Western, and of course uh, the new sheriff is a black guy coming in town, and so he gets up on the stage, and um, starts addressing the audience, and then puts his hand just slightly down to where his dick is, and then suddenly all the women go, <laughs> <laughs> as if something terrible was going to happen, yeah, yeah. And, it, and I mean that that kind of scene reminded me of that because I was. What was wrong with her? I mean, and then, of course, all my friends, and it's quite interesting, they missed the article, and mm. they just went straight for that, to say, well, Tony, what was wrong with this woman? I wrote to her, and I said to her, look, you know, I, I didn't really, I didn't understand, you, distract, you detracted from mm. the other bits in the piece yeah. by just saying that. And she said, oh, no, no, we have to always set a context for our guests, you know. The other piece... So in this quite, case, the context was that you're black. Is that yeah. Right? Yeah, that's the context. <laughs> Intimidating. Yeah. 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 And also, there was, a little, there was a little kind of working class thing, which I think all working class people get. I, I, I wore a nice suit, yeah, in mm. there, because I wanted us, I wanted us to get a nice sharp shop for our charity. Yeah. And I had some patterned shoes. I thought they looked kind of sharp. So <laughs> I, I was wearing those as well. And then she pointed to... Oh, he was wearing this posh suit and patterned shoes. And it was also like, you know, it reminds me of the thing in uh, Only Fools and Horses, where... Rodney's always, you know, the drinks thing. He has a flash drink as if working class people are trying mm -hmm. to be yeah. mm -hmm. posh. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So it's kind of slight, that, that, that kind of, uh, 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 and that's the dual thing you get. And it's a very English thing. You know, you got on the other hand, you're a black man and they're always, current, they're always obsessed with your size and whatever. And on the other hand, there's this whole kind of class thing about your accent. And what that tells you about mm. your accent. Mm. Con constantly obsessed with it, you know. Um, which does actually, and I, and I could be wrong, I don't see it happening in a lot of other countries. I think it's a very English thing that we do mm. with accents. And I, and I can see people continually struggling with that at times, you know. And even those people who have made it, you know, um, you can see them always referring back to that kind of tension. Mm. So that's, that was an interesting thing. But then, I, you know, who cares? I did quite well. I got a CVE from Prince Charles. He was all right. And he's got a funny accent. And, you know, <laughs> that's the most South London <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. I got a CVE from Prince Charles. He's all right. <laughs> so things, things went up. So, that, I mean, that's that, that sort of part of the journey. And then, um, yeah, so that's it. Well, let's talk about generating genius because yeah. you, you've talked about being stereotyped and what you're just talking about there. But actually, you're someone who, who talks extensively about the fact that uh, in terms of educational outcomes and things like that, it's not racism that prevents people from advancing, no. but it's a lack of values or lack of fathers in the home. Tell us a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, and it, it still is, even though I, mean, I tell that story because it's not that I'm, I'm here to sort of cry about racism or about worries me. I actually think that we, we can talk about that and we can go over that. But it, it, you, you have to you accept the realities that the society has problems, but it's not going to hold you back. You know, and that's my mother's attitude. And that was that was how we. Uh, but what, uh, what I find is in the balance of things, I still would say that what we what we do need is 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 this sort of almost a kind of uh, 
a, a kind of sense to tell young people that they've got the age, I call it the agency, to actually kind of get over this. It's not, it's not in, insurmountable. You shouldn't have to face it, but on the other hand, it's, it's, and it's certainly not as bad as it was in the 70s and 80s. So there's actually progress in the society. Mm -hmm. one, of, one of the problems in, uh, in, in, in all of this is that if you don't say that, then, then young people get locked in to a world and they, they feel they can't get out of it. Mm -hmm. Hence the title Generating Genius. Mm -hmm. Because if you, if, you go, if you surround poor people or people who are oppressed with this sort of sense that they can do, yeah? So generating, see, genius is always kind of a sense of it's out there, but you can just, anybody can become a genius. You just have to put the things together, the opportunities, and then you can fly. Yeah. Mm. So what I did is I, I also wanted to prove to myself that, that that formula was true. And so what I did is I, I found uh, the, the group that was, and that was black boys who were, who were actually... Um, underachieving the worst in the, in, in the society at the moment, at that time, and it's improved to a certain extent now, in terms of school outcomes and exclusions. And I wanted to set them a task to say, right, can, you, can I get a group all the way through, um, from the, the poorest backgrounds, all the way through to, say, Imperial College or Oxford University, and let's not do... Let's do, not do an easy subject like we did English. Let's do, <laughs> let's, 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 let's do some sciences, yeah? yeah? Stuff that's not associated with them. Okay, right. And in a sense, there is a sense, and, and I, I say this, as a, it, it pervades the society as well that, you know, black boys really are not that bright, really. I mean, you even hear it from Watson saying, not really that bright. They, they, they're basically best uh, uh, just doing a bit of DJing and stuff like that. But not, they're, they're not really belong in the lab laboratory discovering stuff mm. you know mm. so for, let's let's find the hardest thing the thing that isn't even associated with them and let's put them on that track and see what happens so it was it was almost like a laboratory experiment really for myself and i found um, we started with 10 and then we increased it to 100 and there were certain prerequisites around yes they had to be bright yeah we knew that and they had to have an interest in science but they had to, were the first in their family to university, dirt poor backgrounds, and certainly none of their schools sent anybody to university. Mm. In fact, more of their schools were sending them to jail than university. Wow. Yeah? So that was, that was the kind of uh, setup we had. And, and I got them at 14, and then really I just worked with them. And a part of looking back now, um, I look back at that 100, and I would say the vast majority of them now are at top universities. They're in our alumni. In fact, last night, we, uh, I say last night, a couple of nights ago, we had a, 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 a reception for those ones who came when they were 14. Now they're 24. Yeah. Mm. So they've gone. And the program, how it works is you stay with us from 14 to the point that you're at university. And we work with you in the out of school space, in holidays, et cetera, just doing lots and lots of sciences. So it was like, it was, I was like the Pied Piper. I'd have this group of black boys running around the, uh, Imperial College, Cambridge. Now, what I did is I used all my connections that I'd had for my journey. I just because I just know a lot of people in that sense because I just go everywhere, and, and everybody at that point wanted to help. So it wasn't as if there was nothing really stopping it happening. You know, all they needed was somebody in the middle to facilitate it. And I think that that's the thing in England. What's happening is that it's not that nobody wants to do anything for poor people or nobody wants to do anything for. It's just that we can't seem to connect. We have a very difficult way of doing this. Somehow, 
stuff's over here, poor people are over here, and no one's in the middle doing the link. It's not as simple as that, I know, but it's, some of it is just about that, yeah? Mm. And, and, and that, that can be for a number of reasons. I think it's a lack of um, understanding about what the expectations, that in fact what you can do is you can put some... So, for example, some of the universities, some of the colleges genuinely probably didn't think that if you came from uh, a poor part of Brixton uh, in the 70s, 80s, you could get to Oxford. They probably what you, they just they, they, they didn't understand. So they wouldn't go for that. Mm. Well, and then, of course, the other worst thing is that those people already mm. in there don't think they can get mm. there. Right? That's worse, really, in some mm. ways. That, so you have this equation of nobody's going to, because nobody wants to, they don't want to get, they don't think they can get there, or should they, and they don't want them to come. No. Yeah. It's what Anurin Bevin said uh, yeah. about poverty of ambition yeah. for the working classes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, it's like you said, if you're not surrounded by people who are aspiring to do that, then why would you aspire to yeah. do it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we've got a concept called people like me, which is really good. It's just a simple kind of thing of bringing the, so that alumni is quite powerful. So you can you imagine our new cohort of little kids now waiting and they can see that lot mm. that have achieved. Once, you, once it, the cycle starts going, it, it, it perpetuates itself. Well, so it sounds like an amazing thing that you're doing, Tony. Yeah. But from your Sunday Times piece, what you're talking about there is the fact that you can't seem to get the politicians to actually listen to what you're talking about. I think that why, where, where <laughs> I've... Where I've not I've failed, but where I've kind of not been able to engage this is because I, I, I'm adamant that I have not gone down the route of saying that the, the fault of all this is, is racism. I think that's really been the, and the people who are, it means the power has been changed. So if I'd gone on the side waving the flag and saying, all these boys are oppressed because of systemic racism, I think I would probably get more attention, ironically. But I haven't said that. I've said that it, it is this thing of, of the driver of ambition mm. to make it happen. And yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, I honestly think that that is an issue. And I also think that there, there just are people who are just, totally hopeless who should be they're in positions of 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 authority and power trying to sort out the fact that working class people are not getting their rightful due and these are people uh, who run these agencies and they don't know what they're doing mm. and honestly i think that that is the case i see it in terms of universities i see it in terms of charities i see it in terms of social agencies i can keep going around and i, and I just see a lot of people trying something but it doesn't really it's not really working and they want and they scratch and in the end it's almost like they say it's, and this is where it gets really bad they say oh it, your problems are so complex that they can't be solved you know what i mean and i keep hearing that oh the problem knife crime it's too complicated there are too many things that we don't we haven't got any solutions the mayor says it's going to take 10 years to solve it now so so in a sense the 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 the, the salute the people who can come to the solutions are just not at the table. And I, just, I don't know why that is. I mean, maybe we just don't know anybody. I don't know. I mean, but that's been a problem for me. And I, and I, and I, I, I try and push myself. I'm, I'm not, the, it's not me alone. I'm thinking that I know other people who should be in there. You know, mm. that place called the House of Lords, for example, where <laughs> you've got people who are strategically overviewing laws and things like that. Mm. But hardly any of them sound or look like me in there. And also... The answers—they're not—they're not—they're people who are meant to have some of the answers, and they're not—they're not really getting it. So, in a way, we've got to try and 
completely redefined. And I think we're, something's happening at the moment with the Brexit, where we're really questioning. And, and I like that. I like the disruption that we're having at the moment. People say, "Oh, this is this is horrible," mm. but what's going on is I think people are, are, are waking up to the fact that the so-called experts, this is it, are not the experts, and that's that's really what's going on here. They don't know, and they've managed to get in their positions, but mainly because of who they know. And I think that's, that's beginning to change now. And I'd love to see, if I had a chance, just people who do know what they're doing in that position. And politically, it would be different. It wouldn't necessarily be a liberal thing as well. It would be different people from different backgrounds coming in and really trying to sort this out. So I think that's, that's where it's been stuck. I mean, you touched on in the article as well about the lack of positive male role models at home. And I, m I remember reading that, and I, I read that article in the Sunday Times, and I, I sort of gasped when, when you, you know, when you said it, because it's an issue that we we tiptoe around. I've taught in deprived schools in East London, and a lot of the children that do go on to join gangs, they don't have yeah. a father figure at home. Let me just tell you what's happened in the in the in the research sector, in the university, in the discourse that's been happening, in the people that hold almost the power over over our knowledge. You'd, you would have thought that the issue of boys would have been a key thing. In America and other places, they, they, have, they have looked at this issue. In England, the, 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 the literature on this is very sparse. There's hardly anything, mm. hardly anything on it. You know, you get some people that... They, we don't understand boys' development. We don't understand what they're doing. Yet, our prisons are full of them. Yet, they're, they're the ones that are disrupting most of the society. Mm. And yet, we, 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 we carry along with this... And I think it's because what's happened is that we've had a kind of guilt reaction in regard to feminism. And I say, I say that because what, what's, what's actually happening here is that there's a sort of sense that, that, the, that, there's a, that women have been blocked, but they've been blocked by the wrong kind of... It's not, the, it's, this not, it's not these type of men that are really doing the blocking. You know? it's the, so, they, so in a sense, th these poor boys or, or black boys are getting beaten up, really, and they're not, it's not them that's really in, in the way. It's it, you know, boys from Eton, boy, boys <laughs> from... The, these, are the, these are the boys that are really up there doing all, all the oppressing. So the Me Too movement should go after them, really. And in a sense, what's actually happening is working class boys and black boys are, are really at the bottom of the rung here. Mm. And, 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 and their, their only way of disrupting the society often is, is, is by being violent at the bottom. So we've got this kind of mismatch, you see. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for the Me Too movement. But I think there should be a Me Too movement for black and working class boys and white working class boys. I, I do think they need... And one of, them, one of the key elements for them is they need to, we need to sort of seriously ask about the family and the home mm. and not just accept this idea that fathers are allowed to walk away or be thrown out by whoever or, 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 or the courts or whoever and not have access to those boys. Uh, I'm not Why saying, is it important for the, for the boys to have fathers? Because it's a back to this sort of people like me. Let me give you, let me give you an example from the... And that's where the Caribbean community is a very kind of interesting kind of development. If you look at um, the way girls and girls in you know are doing are doing now really well in the site. Teenage pregnancy is gone virtually in England. You know, it's, you hardly see it. It's those numbers are gone. We, we, I mean, basically, we've got a society now where the girls are doing very, very well. University rates for girls are just high, nearly 50, 60 percent of the campuses. 
the girl will be at home on a Sunday night, seeing her legs between her mum, combing her hair, and they're, they're talking and they're talking their business and they're, they're having a great time together because they're doing girl stuff, yeah? And the, she's got an, a role model with her mum and her mother is an that identifying figure. The boy, um, the little boy, can do some of that when he's small, when he's tiny. He's, but there's a point in a boy's life and it doesn't really matter if, even if you're homosexual, it doesn't, that, there's nothing, that's, your sexuality's got nothing to do with this. There's just a point in a boy's life where he's going to want to push away from that mother figure and find another, another person, yeah? Usually that looks to be like the father, hopefully, um, to carry out that kind of intimate work. Now, if the dad isn't there to do that job, he'll find it in other boys, Hence, that's why boys like to go around with each other. And that's what it's just about identifying with people that look like you, mm -hmm. and, uh, you and you feel an empathy with that. And I think that's, that's fine. The problem is, the other thing is about boys, and this is where it gets quite controversial, is that biologically, we've got, if you, I don't know if you're left-handed, but right-handed, we've got a, a strong right arm. And that, is, that means that physically we can do a lot of damage. Our ancestors realised that. That strong arm can actually tear to pieces a village. Yeah. So what we've got to do, it's quite interesting, knife crime is interesting because that's another thing about the right arm. You know, what's that doing? You know, it's, it, and so what the, what, what the father does often, and I can see in their interactions with the, their sons, is that they are like the police force. Mm. They come in and they restrain those boys. Mm. Yeah, I always remember when you, you, you look at the, the risk taking that a man does with his son. Mm. You know, it's very interesting. Going out there, son, you know, especially when they're doing riding their bikes. You know, it's like I've seen it all the time. It's it, it a stereotype. Yeah, right. You know, he fought, the boy falls off the butt. Get up, come on, son, get up. He just fell off. He's just a little bruise. Yeah, get on with it, you know. And I'm a stereotype. <laughs> I see the mothers around the boys and kind of, oh, no, no, no. And it's kind of like, no, you know. I mean, no, no. And they get that. They get that. They get that difference, yeah? Mm. That risk-taking that you want. Go on, boy, get on with it. And, and, and actually, to a certain extent, the boys like that. Mm. They like that kind of sense of, but they want also a somebody there to say no thus far and no further. Mm -hmm. mm. And that kind of, my dad used to play it. My dad used to be the sort of sign, he used to be, in my, in my home, um, my mother used to do, when we had corporal punishment, my mother used to do all the beating in the home and she used to try her best. <coughs> and then, right, if it was beating, before, she, yeah, she was yeah. really good. <laughs> she was practicing every night. <laughs> she used to beat, whatever, we used to be, I wish we used to give her a hard time. But then the, my father was like the nuclear weapon, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so he would be sitting there as the sort of, and you knew that was the kind of almost, uh, you know, that was the kind of thing that held everything, the, all, 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 the, all the thing in play. That if you were referred back up there, mm. That that would be a serious, and so she so and you could see there was like a power thing going on, and 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 and, and, and I just feel that that's with the fathers that that figure of authority that is missing. So therefore, it's not surprising that you look at the. I mean, you should see this from the 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 the, um, the amount of boys that are on the street at night, just not. Who is actually telling them to come in? I'm talking about like 12, 13, in fact, sometimes even younger than that. Wow. Um, uh, on the street at 11, 12 at night. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but 
not, you ask a policeman, when the policeman picks up that son, and this might be a massive stereotype, I know, but ask any policeman you were in the fall. They take that boy back home and they're taking him back to a single household. Yeah. Mm. There's no man in that house. Yeah. So that debate we can't have in England because somebody will turn around to you and say, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're really beating up on the single mother. Mm. And that's become a sacred thing now, the single mother. So and they're looking at us now, all these men talking about oh, all the same old thing, it's all against the women, it's all and, and we're blaming them. And that's the, it's not that, that if you, what I'm trying to get at with You're this, blaming the fathers for not exactly. being there. Yeah. And I'm and also saying that the fathers should be allowed back in. Now, some of them say, well, whoa, what's, what's going on here? Some of those men are, are abusive. Some of them may be, but not all of them. Mm. And they need access to that. And, and, and the other thing is, I think with this, is that it's actually, we need to be able to support those mothers. I get calls every week because of what I do from single mothers saying, I can't cope with this boy. Dr. Saul, have you got any ideas? Mm. She's reached a point, especially when he's a teenager. Now, everybody knows this. Social workers, lawyers, politicians, they all know this. But nobody wants to go over that sacred line of saying that, look, we can't do this yeah, um, can we, ha can we have some help here? You know, because we're saying that we are in the era of super women. Mm. They can do everything. They can go to work. They can raise girls. They can also raise boys. They can do everything. So how dare you step over on that line? Mm. And I think that's where we are politically. That's where we kind of have a mature discussion on it. Um, what will happen is you'll have a discussion and the women will turn around and say, you're just blaming us. You know, or, 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 or it's one where it's, it, 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 it's not about this, it's about poverty, or it's about the fact that um, the boys haven't got, um, uh, you know, sort of youth, youth centre to go to or things like that, which is not the, the real reason why they're in this state of, uh, of disruption. They're in this state of disruption because there isn't a restraining element at home. And do you think a lot of the gang problems and the knife problems that we're seeing in, in London and elsewhere in the country now is, is it down to that? Yeah, I know that because I used to work for the Youth Justice Board, which was the, 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 the arm in, in, in the society that looked after children who were in the youth offending area. Now, to be honest, that's only about 800 kids. It's not a lot of kids, you know, on the, on the, on the, on the sort of real kind of uh, um, serious end of it, you know. Um, uh, and those children in the end what i did was i i, I kind of went round um and just asked those boys to come on tell me what why are you here why what was the reason for the knife crime and two things came out of that kind of interaction um number one uh there was a, a an admission that, that, that at a point in their lives the father leaving or not being there is this issue yeah um, and I think the other one, which was which was really interesting about their their morality, was and this this actually was quite pertinent for black boys, was that a lot of them pleaded not guilty for their crime. So here is a boy, he's found the knife is in the hand, the police has arrived. It's not as if they run away. The knife is in the in the hand. The blood, everything is all over him. You're a bang to rights, yeah. He reaches court and he pleads not guilty. 
Uh, and, and what happens in, the, in our justice system is if you plead not guilty, you get a longer sentence because obviously you can't bargain. If you plead guilty, then obviously the judge will take that into consideration. So they, they, they're copying longer sentences. And I was quite intrigued to find out why it was that those boys were saying not guilty. Because all the boys I met in all those youth defending, every one of them was saying they're not guilty. And what's going on? And I got it then. It wasn't that, it wasn't that, the, that, that, that the police had got the facts wrong. They genuinely believed they were not guilty because when the person disrespected them, the original offence for the knife crime, that is what they're referring to. They're saying that that person actually did me so wrong, I was justified to kill him. So, there's no, so what we've got is we've got kids locked up in this situation, men locked up, who haven't got any sense of the morality of what they've done. They actually still believe, no one's done any work on that. They actually believe that they were right. So they're actually literally not guilty because they were justified to stab them. That's when they, so when they plead to the judge not guilty, that's what they say. They're saying, I'm not guilty. I didn't, I was justified to do it. That's horrific. It is. It is. That is. You know what I mean? So in their heads, blood, I mean, that bit of it isn't a problem. I, he, the fact that at the dance he stepped on my shoe or dissed my girlfriend or whatever it was, right, that was the, the, the crime. Mm. See, as you're talking about it now, I think back to my childhood. I, I, I've been dissed in my childhood, right? <laughs> as we all have. You and, get dissed and, and you go to your dad, in my case, and you yeah. go, well, Dad, this is what happened. Like, what, you know, what yeah. should I do? And he goes, well, just don't worry about it. The guy's a dick or whatever. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's what a father... So a father gives you a sense of where the, the limitations are of your retaliation. Right? Exactly. It's the, mor it's the moral development. What we're going down now is the moral development of those boys. <clears throat> the vacuum that's there. And, 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 and I'll be honest, the, 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 the mothers try... And, and here's another problem with this thing about the mothers. There is a significant amount of women who actually do really well with their boys and take them to the top universities and they do well. And so what happens is when you have this conversation, they roll out and they say, well, look, what are you talking about? I had five boys and I sent them all to university. Super mum, you know. Mm. And, um, but then I turn around and say, well, what about the... 90% of other women who, who are not super mum, who haven't got that capacity, you know, what about them? And I think that's, that's the problem we have. So the society is continually telling us that women can do it all and men are actually useless. Mm. I mean, that's really the message. So how do we go about solving this? I think that the, the issue for me is that the policies around, certainly around some of the settlements for boys when it comes to um, uh, uh, um, who has custodies in terms of the breakup of the family, we've got to review how this thing works for boys. Someone's got to kind of talk to some of those judges about that. I think there's, there's an issue there in terms of, because often this happens in a family breakup that, that happens. The other, the, other, the other bit is that I just think that we need to... I think that there should be a campaign. I think this is a, uh, the mayor's office should be having a campaign about the fact that, um, uh, you know, m a lot of men, and it can be black or white men, should be um, taking responsibility of their kids and actually making that more a normal thing. 
what, what, what has happened sometimes in some black community, and we've had this in the Caribbean community, that it's actually a pride to sort of say, I've dropped three or four kids from all these different women, and a pride of my, of my manhood, that I've dropped all these kids, mm. and, uh, well, and I'm not taking care of them. You know what I mean? And so what? Because the state can take care of them. Yeah. And that's the issue. The and those state are the people who then fill the prisons. Exactly. Yeah. So what you need, you need almost, like I said, a campaign to bring the father back, in a sense. Not in a, an oppressive, but, you know, this idea that, it, that, 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 that actually, that it, and actually make it not a, a mark of good, a manhood that you're, you've got all these kids. But in fact, it's a, a good man is a man that takes care of his children. I'm almost like that campaign, you know, in the in the heads of our boys, that, that that's what is the, the expectation. At the moment, there's just nothing, you know. We don't want to go there. So I, I would I would love the mayor, for example, to put out a poster campaign of just just. I used to remember walking with my daughter in, with the buggy in the hand and walking around, and people would look at me and it's like kind of it's like it's a strange thing to do. But to me, I the natural thing to do. I walk around. I mean, I brought that door. I uh, the mother carried her for nine months. Yeah, but I'm part of that 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 person. So I've got to be doing my share. You know what I mean? You know, it's just that. I mean, I wouldn't even think of anything otherwise. And it's just like, you know, that kind of thing of of what does what does a man look like? You know, so a man would be seen. There must be there with his. And I used to meet other guys. You know, it was great. We'd all be together with our buggies, all you know, talking to each other, and it was. And it was like, in, 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 and they would say the same thing. People would say, or people would come in and say, well done. What, what, what crap is that? You know, well done. You know, you know. so it's like, and, or people look at it. And you, the other thing, which is another interesting issue, is to do with um, child abuse. I, I think that there's a suspicion that men with younger children, it's not natural. So it's kind of, I remember when I was in, I was teaching a, a little boy in a, a nursery, a one-to-one. -one. The mother wanted me to do a, 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 um, sort of private lessons, and, 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 and she was the owner of the nursery. And then, of course, the mothers came in, what's this man doing in here? You know, as if I was kind of talking, I'm going to abuse their kids, you know. Yeah. And that, so there's a kind of nervousness about men, and, and we've made that kind of a sort of thing about, Oh, you know, you shouldn't be seen. To, you know, this thing about in the swimming pool, or whatever. Should you be seen? I don't mean to taking pictures, but should you be swimming too close to any of the children? You know, so in, in, so subconsciously, <laughs> you're thinking, oh, you, you know, yeah, a kid. I remember so, a, a little boy. I'm walking by that little boy just come up to me in the train. I was in the train. Come up. To, his mum was. <laughs> the boy just jumped off of me and started to hug me. And I think he mistook me for his dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I, was just, and I felt really guilty because I said, well, you know, what's going on here? You know, a sort of second take you have to take sometimes as a man when you're around. Young, and we've got this sort of thing about, you know, are you the sort of, you know, um, Sutcliffe? You know, are you kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, and, and I, I just think we've, we've got to kind of be, again, that normative thing. I think it's an English thing. I do think that we've got to get back to that kind of sense that, 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 that we, need, we need the males back in the, in, into play here, you know. And what has been the reaction by you going, you know, fathers need to take responsibility. They need to look after their children. You know, there can't be this attitude that, you know, you just have, you know, three or four kids from different mothers and all the rest of it. Has it, has it been supportive? No, or it... I've, I've found it quite, even, even the people I know, my own, even in my own family, but we've had big debates about this. They, they keep saying to me, Tony, you're just oversimplifying it. I hate those words. Oversimplifying it 
It's so many. It, the, the problem around knife crime is so complex. It's poverty. It's that they didn't get a youth club. They, you know, it's to do with teachers, and they get, they, it's, a, it's a whole range of things. And so, what, 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 when people start doing that, that long list, shopping list, yeah. what they're really saying is back to our thing again. It's experts who don't know. Yeah. See, so they're just giving you this long list because they don't because because that means inaction. Because mm. once you start, once the list starts going fast, five things, then you're really saying to that boy, look, we can't do anything for you. Mm. You yeah. know what I mean? And so what they're saying is that you've, you've just come to this problem and you're just oversimplifying it by just saying it's about fathers. Mm. You know? Yet the evidence is clear for me um, that um, disproportionately, especially if, 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 if a lot of black boys are involved in that, that that's, that's the issue that they face. Mm. And it's not that it might be that knife crime isn't the problem. It might be that those boys are just unhappy or they're in that vacuum, that moral vacuum. That, that means that they then commit that crime, you know. And so we've got to look at the underlying reasons why. One of the things that for me is the key to this is the way in which we tackled teenage pregnancy. That was a big social problem. I don't know about you, but in London, I used to remember the time, I'm sure it's up north as well, where you'd see all these teenage girls with these buggies walking around this on, mm. on the high street. Yeah, you don't it. see that anymore. You don't see that anymore. Not to that extent, especially in London. In, in, in parts of Hackney, we've almost cracked that. So what did they do to, to, to develop that? Well, two things. Girls got a much more positive image about themselves mm. and lots more, you know, and, and, that, and, 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 and it also coincided to a certain extent with some of the positives around social media as well. So, that, you know, it, it wasn't cool. It's not cool anymore to be a girl with a buggy walking around town. That just doesn't cut it anymore. Mm. And... Um, the other thing was that <laughs> compulsive, compulsive contraceptives are not telling the parents. That worked. That seemed to work as well. So you know, the injection went in and the girls, you know, that, that's just stopped them, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think those two policy things that, that we, we focused on dealt with that problem. You know, I mean, it wasn't too, we didn't say, oh, it's too complicated, you know. And equally, I think, with the issue for boys, we need a similar kind of thing around how boys and men see themselves, our fathers see themselves, and making that, making it not cool to be a, a deadbeat dad, yeah. almost going after them, really. And, and, then, and, then, and, then, and, then, and then really kind of almost, in a sense, sort of saying to the boys themselves that, look, here are some positive role models of what you can be like as a, as, as, as a, as a man, you know. And, and, and putting that around them. So it's a, a counter-narrative to the gangs. You've almost got to go counter to what, you know, the other thing. And then you'll get a positive outcome. I mean, it's, it's that kind of policy thing that you need to start engineering around those young people and supporting those single mothers. I'm not saying to the single mothers, you've got to stay with those men. Mm. But at least do what some of the women do. At least call out for help. And don't say you can do it all. You know, that doesn't mean that you're that doesn't put your feminism radar lower. It just means that it just means that you're saying that look, I need some support here, you know, and we should be able to support those boys. So I do think that we've done it before, and 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 we can do it for for young men. And Ty, I, I wanted to, <coughs> this is one of the areas that I really wanted to talk to you about because it always rears its head with the police. It's stop and search. Now a lot of people say that it's it's a racist policy. Uh, stop and search for our global audience is where they uh, police stop. 
uh, young men, many young black men, and searching for knives and all the rest of it. Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Where do you stand on it? And why? I mean, my view on it is quite an interesting area here because it's like we've, we've moved full circle with this. So, for example, you get, you get two voices on this. You get people say, oh, stop and search is bad and it's, a, it's oppressive. It goes in from one community. But then when there is a knife crime, the police are blamed because they're not there in, in it. They say, where are the police? You know, and, and you usually get that from the victim's side. Mm. You know, where, where the, so suddenly we've got a shift in this and it's, it, it's more towards saying that, OK, we need, we need more police. So my view on it is I think knife crime does need quite specific policing. But I just think it, does, it, shouldn't, it doesn't need saturated policing. What used to happen in the 70s and 80s was that a, a crime would be committed then every black man in the, in, in the, in the radius <laughs> of about five miles was stopped and searched. Yeah, yeah. Just because, you know, you, you're just... I mean, that, that, was, that just caused mass problems. I think the police have got enough intelligence on this one to be able to do some targeted things where they know where those, those criminals are and where they're hanging out. And I think they should use stop and search in that, that more intelligent way. So I do think you need it, but it just needs to be done better. Mm. Yeah. You know, coming back to the fatherlessness thing, one of the things I found very worrying in the piece that you had in the Times, yeah. you talking about the fact that you're trying to get this message out there that fatherlessness is a problem. And the pushback is that a lot of the white politicians and other people you talk to, they don't want to raise this issue. They don't want to deal with it because of fear of being called racist. Yeah. Right. So how and, and, and I, I, I can't wrap my head around that. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that it was even worse when I used to come out with stuff around exclusion from schools and, and boys and say that black boys and say that, um, look, this this issue isn't necessarily about racism, but it's actually about some other things going on in the home, in the peer group. And we've got to tackle this, you know. Um, and, and I think equally with, with 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 the knife crime issue, although I think I must admit there is less of a there's less of a sense now that people are uh, 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 I think there's a more willingness I think to go to that area now because of the numbers are so clear that it is disproportionately black boys that are involved in this. Mm. However, I do think that when we come to the solutions that um, are aiming this, I mean, and, and my friend David Lamy is a classic example. I mean, David in 2012 he was before me. He said. Um, you can just go online, just tap in David Lammy knife crime and up will come all these articles about him saying black homes need black fathers. Mm -hmm. I mean, he states that, you know, and, and yet n now it's sort of not politically kind of, sort of correct to do that. I hear he's rowing back a bit on it. You know, he's not coming out. So you get that sort of sense that there, there's a sensitivity around this and nobody wants to come out and state that as an issue. Why? And I think that... I think it's also who says it. I think it's because there is a focus on the victim. What, what it is, is they're saying that the, 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 the thing that always helps us out is the white male. If we, if we can find anything to hook it on him, then <laughs> it, it's a good, it's a get out of jail card for us, yeah? So therefore... Right, you're screwed. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in this particular instance, you know, it, what, what way? Wait a minute, you know, we can't, we cannot, we cannot blame the victim here. It's got to be something to do with, with, with him, or at least his, his, his measures. So it's to do with Tory austerity. It's to do with um, the fact there isn't a youth club. It's to do with the police, you know, and, and, and the way they, they, they see themselves. It's to do with, with, with white teachers excluding them from schools. 
anything and everything, but not the home. And I think that's the problem. So that's really where it is. So, but once you start going back into the home, you, then you talk about agency. Then you're talking about responsibility of those, that, those communities. And that's, that's the difference, you see. Now, nobody wants to take that, especially if you're a politician who's, who, who's been kind of almost um, put up on, on the basis that I am here to protect you from that horrible world, the wolves out there that are coming to get you. So therefore, my, my narrative has always got to come back to the fact that you're oppressed, not for the fact that the oppression might be something to do with what's gone on in your home. Yeah, and, or another type of oppression that you might be perpetuating yourself. Mm. No, you can't go there. And that's where we, that's, that's, that's where we become stuck. But what I think this, this issue has come up is that, it, as I said, I think that particularly black boys, they, 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 they're a problem for, 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 for that kind of rhetoric. They confound that because they, as those boys say, look, the biggest issue for me was the fact that my old man left or he wasn't there. Or downstairs, I was busy kind of refitting um, an air gun so that it could be used as a gun while my daughter was upstairs doing, while my sister was upstairs doing her work. And my dad, or the dads of the three of us, the three different dads, just were not here. That's the reality that, that I face, you know. Um, and and so, so, so for me, that's, that's, that's where it, it lies. And so it, it, it's difficult for communities to come back and say well we've got to try and sort this out ourselves you see what i don't understand there's a guy in america larry elder i don't know if you're yeah. familiar with him right and larry he has some interesting points along the same lines that you make but he he's a guy who just talks right he's a radio host he's very articulate very yeah. good but he talks right but you've proven it through the work that you do and still people are afraid to take there should be hundreds of generating geniuses around the country i think that it yeah there should be and i think that people are waking up to it but i think that it's it's it's, it's a harder one i mean what, what what's also happened is that the and here's another thing about generating genius that makes it a little bit different and, and people kind of don't get it a bit is that what it's trying to do is saturate the mindset of that community with young people that are doing very well it's a kind of it's, a, it's a, almost like a kind of counterintuitive thing because what you usually do in policies is you go you, you tend to say we're going to stack all our resources on on the very few kids that are causing all this disruption. Now, admittedly, they, I mean, when they kill somebody, that's a massive disruption. So you've got to do something. But what 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 we're saying is that actually, what you need to do is you need to you need to change the narrative around that group. That's what we like what we did with the teenage girls. And, and, and so therefore, you, you actually may be needing to sort of go after, um, as I say, um, children who are and, and making sure that, that, that there, is a, there is a story for them. What, what's quite interesting is that the, 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 the kids on my program come from the same schools that the kids who commit knife crime come from. They come from the same schools. So it's not like they're going off to Eaton or Harrow or someone like that. The same estates, the same schools, yet they're ending up at the top universities. So that, that is powerful. You see what I mean? Because you're saying, well, look, wait, the same money, the same, the same lack of youth clubs or whatever, austerity, they, that same, and to a certain extent, same lack of fathers. And that's quite interesting as well, you know, in their, in their homes. And yet one group is doing well, another is. And the other one that confounds it all is girls. 
at the moment, the group that is doing best in London um, are girls from a West African background. And they're, and they're doing really well in school. So what you've got in some homes, you've got the girl upstairs busy doing her work, going off to top university, and the boy downstairs getting ready for prison. And that is happening in a lot of black homes. Mm. Two pathways for the same kid in the same household. And so that's, that's what, you're, what you're saying is absolutely right. That it, in fact, what, 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 what you need then is, 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 is something that's going to tackle the real core of the problem. You know, not pussyfoot around it, which is really what's, what's been happening in the past. And it's because we're not allowing ourselves, and this is probably, I've never had, this is the most honest and open conversation I've ever had with any media on this issue. And I've never heard people talk about it openly because there's always this, oh, what should I say the right thing, with you know, and all that. And, yeah. and, and so we never get to it. No, no, but it's, it's amazing what you say. I mean, what part of this, I mean, this is, a, that they, is, is white guilt where people, yeah. especially like, you know, like, a, you know, like a, being a white man, you just go, I, I want to ask this question, but is it racist if I ask this question? Am I making, you know, just a general assumption about black people, black men in general? Am I going to offend? Am I going to get upset? And there's also a selfish part of you. You want a self-preservation element where you go, well, I don't want to address that because it's just too difficult and too challenging a subject. Yeah, yeah. and I think that bit about it being too difficult and challenging a subject is the one that, to me, gets in the way. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of guilt running around this thing that 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 that, that is that, that's really interesting. And guilt, in in a way, is is difficult. I'm I'm having I'm having difficulties with even films and, 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 and stories that keep running the guilt story, you know, to the point where... It, because it's, I think that you, 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 the narrative that says, oh, um, you know, all these people did this to me is, is, is interesting, and I think to remind people... And I started off by telling you a story of that in that room with mm. that journalist, mm. you know. So I'm not unaware of the, 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 the kind of... Um, difficulties that people have in terms of relating to other groups mm. and women should know that this is what is frustrating for me is that um where 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 i where i see women not not kind of standing together with me on this is that they almost can i, I see their their kind of thing as very similar to black boys you know and we talked about this in a sense of obsession with the body the, the whole thing about surveillance or whatever, lack of opportunities, all these things, and then agency, the, the, the ability to sort of see opportunities and seize it and go for it yourself. They have similar problems, and yet they don't, they don't have any... They, don't have, they have very little empathy with that because what happens is they just still go for the default position that, oh, well, you know, in the end, these are boys. And, and in the end, you feel like they don't even like boys. And I get, I, get, I get a sense that that's almost what's going on here, that our society, our society doesn't like little boys. I mean, it kind of, there's a kind of sense that they get in the way. You know, remember, remember if you're a boy, you're going to have, you're likely to have mum at home, her friends, then you go into school, you're going to have a female teacher, and the whole environment, you, hard, you, you hardly see a man. Let me give you a, something that's really interesting. You can go to some of the some primary schools now, and it's happened to me on a number of occasions. You go into the primary school and suddenly all these little boys start running up 
running up towards you. It's it's quite it's quite scary. It's almost like you're Santa Claus. You go in there, <laughs> and, and it's like, oh man, they haven't seen a man. Yeah. And they yeah. they think that, that they secretly think you're going to be their teacher. That's it. But they're disappointed because yeah. <laughs> you're just visiting, you know. Yeah. It's and they're they they running up to you. And they, they're talking to you. They kind of. Because if you sit down with some of those boys, they actually do not have any interaction with any um, male uh, adult authority. Yeah, that's right. None. That's crazy. Well, Tony, it's like you said yourself, it's been a very honest and a very, very interesting yeah. chat. We really thank you for coming on for the work you're doing. And like I said, I hope that as part of this conversation and other media interviews that you do, there are 100 generating geniuses around the country eventually. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. The last question we always ask. It's one which is, what is the thing that people aren't talking about but really should be at the moment? Well, I think we've touched it. one of the things. It's got to be that the issue about fathers and men, really, in the society. In England, we've got to have a proper grown-up debate about about that and, and, and come to terms with that. And I think that just, just debating it honestly will, will take us further. Okay. Well, that's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you Thank so you. much for yeah. coming on. Thanks for coming on, Tony. Uh, as always, uh, follow us at TriggerPod on all the social media. Uh, we're on PayPal if you enjoy the show and want to keep supporting it, as you have been many of you on Patreon as well for now. Uh, and thank you very much. We, we will see you in a week's time from now with another brilliant episode. Absolutely. Uh, like and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, click the bell icon, which will tell you every time one of our videos is released. And if also as well, you could rate us on iTunes. We'd be really grateful. And if you like us and, you know, you're a bit embarrassed. No be, one likes it. No, no one no likes it. It's true. Because we're they like a the show. They don't like yeah, us. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Or because you think, you know, well, you're worried about being judged because you're a Nazi or whatever else. Then just tell somebody in secret without people listening. Spread the word. But, guys, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. See you in a week's time. Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.